0: Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 40, whole chapter. to remain faithful to their initial beginning in Christ. When does the devil come after you in a real way? When you begin to do what's right in the beginning of your faith. The devil's going to attack you many ways. He's going to come at you first of all through your family. Then it'll be through your close friends. And then it'll be through the world. All of this comes at you. <laughs> now, particularly in the 10th chapter, verse 38 and 39, uh, the writer had insisted on the urgency of clinging to the Lord. In fact, he quoted Habakkuk 2:4 that says, But my righteous ones will live by faith. And when he closed the chapter with the encouraging words there, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Faith is the only way that God has ever dealt with man. You can mark that down. As you study your Bible recognize that fact. Faith is the only way God has ever dealt with man. It, In fact, it is the principle by which God grants life to a man because you're not seeing life except by faith. There is an obvious need to define faith both by what it is and by what it does for man. And so that brings us to the 11th, chapter. Soul-saving faith because it is a special kind of faith. Not only uh, that believes the soul-saving belief, but the faith of which is discussing in Habakkuk is faith that waits for God to speak. When we read Habakkuk 2 verse 1 again, it says, I will wait for the word of Jehovah, and then I will act upon it. So we're learning some things about faith, aren't we? When God says to run, the man of faith runs. Habakkuk insists on that. That tells us something of the nature of the faith that Habakkuk discusses. And the man that has that kind of faith is made righteous by his faith and he lives spiritually. That's what Habakkuk 2 verse uh, 4 declares. And so the man who lives by faith is declared righteous. Not by his performance but as a gift that grows out of the fruits of Calvary cross at Calvary. All right, verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The author used the verb of being that is, faith is. Of course it's true that faith does uh, but being verb, uh, being Verbs define the nature of or essence of what is being discussed. The Greek is much more definite than the essence of faith than this translation indicates. The author says first that faith is the foundation. And that's the Greek word hypotosis, meaning foundation. Faith is the foundation of what we hope for. All hope is based upon our faith and faith gives foundation to our aspirations of the age to come. That is one of the qualities of faith. That is what it is. Another quality of faith is that it is certain of what we do not see. The word for certain in the Greek is Alexos, and is most often translated evidence. The word relates to evidence given in a courtroom, by which a conviction is obtained. It is the same word used by Jesus in John eight verse forty six, when he asked, "Can, can you prove me guilty of sin?" Again, in John 16, verse 8, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. This proof that he mentioned there is really the evidence of which the Hebrew writer speaks. He says that faith gives its demonstration. There is visible evidence that the person believes. That's the whole point. The word evidence in a courtroom uh, information by which an individual may be convicted or acquitted of the charges against him. The evidence. How does one give evidence of what we do not see? Faith relates to unseen things, but it expresses itself in very visible ways. Through the definition of faith that were, uh, that were given are adequate. It appears that the author realizes that his definition is a little unwildly for his readers. And so, it appears that the author decided that the best way to define faith was to look into the lives of those people who have it. And that's why we have this listing of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11th chapter. What does it lead them to do, in other words? And he's going to answer these questions. What does it lead those patriarchs to do? How does it manifest itself, this faith? What are the unseen elements that are characteristic of their faith? What is the hope to which faith gives foundation? And so there are two things that we want to look for in this context of Hebrews 11. Verse 1 through 40. First, regards the evidence of unseen things where faith gives its demonstration. The second relates to the hope that is being presented in the ingredients of faith. And so... uh, As the writer goes through a long list of men and women of faith in ages past, uh, look for the unseen things to which they give faithful evidence, and then look, secondly, at what they hoped to obtain because of their faith. Verse 2. This is what the uh, the ancients were commended for. And so God's commendation of people of faith in olden times was because their trust was in God who inspired their hope. debating with myself as to whether I ought to bring this up or not but I think I will faith has evidence doesn't it to cause us to believe in God and what is it well Romans 1 verse 20 he started out in verse 18 talking about the wrath of God revealed why is it revealed well here's one reason it's revealed verse 20 the invisible things of God things you cannot see are clearly seen by the things that are made specifically his divine power and Godhead so that man is without excuse and so you see I believe in God because of the creation And I see in that creation, the continuity, the faithfulness of God, the surety of God, and His covenants, His Word. And so my faith is based on an evidence of things that I didn't see. I didn't see the creation. But what does the creation tell you? Well, it tells you this. Here's what the creation tells you. That's what we see in creation. It is a design. A design. And in this design, do you see chaos or do you see cosmos? You see cosmos. That's why the scientific world calls it a cosmos. Because a chaos is something that does not work together. It's gears that don't fit one another. And it'll when you start to motor, it'll tear up the transmission because nothing works, nothing fits, nothing is unified. And so we're talking about a universe out here, a design. And that design shows extreme intelligence, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I mean, whoever designed this thing, boy, was highly intelligent. It just didn't happen. Just didn't happen. And so here's a design that demands a designer. A design it demands a designer. You cannot look at the universe and it's functioning together. Everything in it functioning together. In Genesis, the sun was placed up there to rule the day, the moon to rule the night, the stars to tell the times and the seasons, the months and the days and the years. They do. Here's a space out here that is so infathomable. You and I cannot see the end of it. But we know from our examination of space that there's galaxy after galaxy after galaxy after galaxy with no end to it. What does that do to man? Why did God make all of that? Well, I think Psalms 19, verse 1 through 6 would give you a pretty good indication. As it says very clearly and very simply, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. And day unto day, night unto night, they preach their sermon. And that sermon is understood by all the inhabitants of the earth, it says. That means that if you travel to darkest Africa, the African, if you can understand his uh, garbly hook that he speaks, although he's a pagan, I mean he's a, he's a what's the word I'm looking for? Amen. He's a what? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> he will declare uh, these things about the universe. He sees them. He hears the sermon that he preaches. It declares the excellence, the glory, the magnitude of God, a creator that created it. And so here, Romans 1, verse 20, declares uh, that there's a God, a designer, the invisible things from the creation of the world. Now, not just recently recently, From the creation of the world. Adam saw it. Eve saw it. Cain, Abel, and Seth saw it. And every person that's ever lived on this planet. Has looked into the glory of God. Because that's the universe. That's the things created. Look at your own self. What is man that thou art so mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? You've crowned him with such glory and honor. And placing him. Over the works of your hand. Science. All those things. Are things that God placed us over. He sent us forth to subdue all things. He commissioned us to conquer. In our struggle. The earth. And we're doing it. And he said I will be there right with you in everything. And I'll never leave you. When we invented the gasoline motor, which one of us could design and build a motor? Most of us have lived a whole life and don't understand how one of them works. There are millions of things that's involved in a gasoline motor running. Oh, you say you just hit the starter and it goes, well, that's, That may be a beginning, but that, that, uh, well, anyhow, most of us don't understand it. Where did, where did that knowledge come from? Well, who made us? Who gave us this up here? And who said he'd be with us in our struggle against the things of this earth? So when it came time in history for man to leave the horse and go to the car, and the airplane, God was with us in our endeavor. The intelligence comes from God, it doesn't come from man. And so who do we give glory to for everything created? To God. We sing the song to God, be the glory great things he has done but yet we don't see it all together, because we look at man. Boy, look what man done! He built a Harley Davidson. He built an automobile. He built hogwash. He's done nothing but potty in his own mess since the day he was born. If it wasn't for God's direction and God's counsel and God being with us in everything we do, we wouldn't be anywhere. Is there any proof to that fact that we wouldn't be anywhere? Is there nations that you know of in the, in, the, in the globe, in the world today who declare very clearly that when you leave God out of the picture, you're going nowhere? How about Africa? Look at the United States. Look where the United States is going. They've already stepped in a doo doo heaven. It stinks to high heaven everywhere around the world. What one man in America that we set up to be our commander? Done and said because we left God out of the picture. So, Revelate Romans one twenty, along with Psalms sixteen verse 1 through 7. Is it Psalm 16? 19. 19, I'm sorry. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showed his handiwork. They preach a sermon that's understood by all the inhabitants of the earth. The darkest Africans understand it. And so this so faith in God is not a blind faith, it's based upon the evidence of the credibility of one who is the designer uh, of this design. Has he proved himself faithful? Has there ever been a point in time when he wasn't with us with human humans? He'd been feeding us for six thousand years. He's been providing for us for six thousand years. You know we forget that awful easy. We begin to think, why just it just happens, you know. I woke up this morning and uh, there was a sun. We don't question who rose it. Somebody some power had to say, it's time to get up and get after it, bud. Time to get out of bed and rise, and the sun rises for its daily occupation. Somebody has to tell it, it's time to go to bed and set a time for it and set times for all these things for the seasons and the months and the years. We just don't question those things. We call it mother nature. Well, in the first place, it ain't mother, it's father. In the second place, his name is not nature, it's God. We've left God so far, we've named it with names that has no relevancy at all. It's not Mother Nature, it's God. Women, in their force to be somebody, has pushed off this idea to the point that A woman is the giver of life and that makes her more important than the man who's made for the the glory of God. The woman was made for the glory of the man. This woman idea has led us way off. They insisted on being in government. Now we got them. We got a a vice president that couldn't find her way home without a map. And without somebody to read the map for, yeah, we need more women in government. Leave the home and get into government. That's where it's at, girl. Oh, yes, you're, why? You can't let that man get ahead of you. That's not the progress of God, is it? He said, Your desire should be your husband, and he will rule over you. And he placed the man in what position? The head over. That's why the advice of the woman, obey your husband's in all things. Didn't say whatever pleases you. It said all things. Well, I'm not trying to get off on that. Women, exactly, necessarily... But I'm trying to show you that the problems we have is because we leave God and we invent languages like Mother Nature. And like down here on the streets of Benton City, you can drive through on certain occasions, certain seasons of the year, and you can see banners across the the city has paid for that with your money. If you're a Benton City, you've contributed to the paying of this praise for Mother Earth. As though the earth, nothing, a created thing is the creator. It's ridiculous. It's insane. But that's the way man is. And every time he leaves God, he just becomes a remembrance in the history book. As it becomes a directory through the cemetery of nations that once were and are no more simply because they left God you're not going to live without God you ain't going to do it you may turn pretty wicked and he may have the patience and the grace to stay with you for a while in your wickedness but in the final analysis you're going down the tube life does not exist with man it exists with God we ain't never learned that yet but we trust the medical profession. Well, you trust them all you want to. I'm not going to. Now there's some things that's logical. I'll go along with them. But they kill a lot more people than they ever hurt. Uh, uh, that's a testimony of even the American Medical Association. Every year they come out and tell you that. Doctors kill over 40% of their patients. Did you know that? that's not my saying that I'm quoting what the American Medical Association reported just last year you believe that? how do they kill people? well uh, they conclude the wrong thing about your disease they give you medicine on top of medicine that kills you uh, they don't It underst- just proves that they don't understand all that they claim to. But boy, years ago they came out with this statement: "Don't take just one doctor's <coughs> advice uh, if you got a problem. You go see two or three doctors." And why was that? Because they don't have all information. They don't have the knowledge that they need to be complete and thorough they're giving you their advice that's why their plaque says practice. practice they have a license to practice and when I was welding I didn't have a license to practice I had to prove the integrity of my welding and I had to prove it on every job and every weld that I made had to be proved by X-ray or some other type of system. Dye pen or whatever. <laughs> but they got a license to practice. I would have loved to have worked under that. Then if I made a bad weld, I just made a bad weld. In this case with a doctor, he just lost a the patient. They died. You want to put your faith in those kind of people? But our faith is in one who has proven himself to be faithful. Amen. He's fed the world. He's taken care of the world. He's raised a son every morning for 6,000 years. He's proved his integrity. And so I believe in him. Whatever he says, I believe him. When he tells me that there's joys awaiting me, that it was he created for me before the foundation of the world, I have no problem believing that because of who he is. So has God established a foundation on which faith can rest assured? Yes, he has. He definitely has. And is it a past thing? No, it's a very present thing because it's every day in every way. He proves himself. Excuse me for that little explosion. If you're a woman, excuse me twice. <laughs> so, verse 2, this is what the the ancients were commended uh, for. God's commendation of people of faith is, in olden times was because their trust was in God who inspired their hope. And their faith in things not yet seen led them to give uh, practical demonstrations in their lives that they believed. Now, a believer does what? We're going to see it as we go through the Heroes of Faith, but what what did I just say there? There is a practical demonstration in the lives of those that believe. Can you tell who believes and who doesn't? One way you can is to see who comes on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Those who are interested, they want to know what God said. If God said run, they want to run. If God said walk, they want to walk. Has He said that? Yeah, He has. First John one seven, walk in the light with me, and you have fellowship with me. And so practical demonstrations in their lives prove that they believe. And since the righteous shall live by faith, according to Habakkuk 2, verse 4, it's clearly implied that those mentioned in the chapter were justified people. And so in chapter 11, we're going to read about people who were justified before God because of their faith, not because of their works. Because according to works, Abraham was a liar. He lied on several occasions. David was a murderer and an adulterer. And on and on we could go. But they were saved by their faith. Verse 3 By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, to this intent that what is seen was not made of what was visible. We can see the world, we can see its mountains, its seas, its sun, its moon, its stars. And those are visible evidence, external evidence of the unseen, nothing out of which God created the world. And the visible creation is evidence of the unseen God who created it. We did not have to see the creation to believe that it exists or that God made it. It is self-authenticating. So the evidence is in the creation and it is self-authenticating as we just mentioned about Romans 1 verse 20. So that that becomes a parallel to the writer's definition of faith. Faith is also self-authenticating. A man does not have to be asked if he has faith. An examination of his life gives ample evidence and demonstration of the practice or absence of faith. So you don't have to go to your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your friends. You don't have to go ask them, do you have faith? because faith is a thing seen in actions and so our examination of their lives gives ample evidence and demonstration of the practice or the absence of faith can you see who's going to believe in, who believes in God those who move by faith where do they get faith Comes by hearing and hearing with the Word of God. And when they hear the Word of God, what's it going to lead them to do? To be in the assembly of the church that Christ <coughs> built after being baptized into His blood, the cleansing agent. The picture is very clear. Verse 4. <clears throat> by faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did by faith he was commanded he was commended, excuse me as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings and by faith he still speaks even though he is dead isn't that comforting to know that if you believe in God your faith will be Spoken of, it'll be teaching after you're long dead, after you're dead. How many years has he been dead? 6,000. Is he still preaching? Yeah, he is. (laughs) The first case for the witness stand is Abel. Now let us ask Abel a few questions here. Abel, do you believe that God exists? His answer is yes by his life's performance. Have you seen him? No. Do you believe that he's worthy of worship? Yes. Do you believe that your worship ought to comply with his orders? Yes. Can you prove that you believe all those things? Yes. His life. Do you see that altar with a specified animal being offered to God as worship this is my evidence of my faith now you go back and read Genesis and it doesn't say anything about God told them what to offer does it in worship but Hebrews ten twenty six is that it? No, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17. So how does faith come? By hearing the word of God. Did those two boys hear the word of God? He doesn't say they did back then, but evidently they did because one walked by faith. Abel walked by faith. They both offered sacrifices. But one offered what God required. The other one made up his own religion. There's where denominationalism started, right there. Now let us ask one more question of Abel here. What was the unseen element in his faith? His answer is God. The visible evidence was the altar and his sacrifice. And so by definition of the Hebrew writer, Abel was a man of faith. He would have been foolish to offer a sacrifice to a non-existing God. Though God is invisible, there is convincing demonstration that Abel nevertheless believed in him. And Abel still speaks, the text says, Even though he is dead, he speaks through his evidential faith that God is and that he is worthy of obedience and praise and worship. It would seem that Cain also believed that God existed and that he was worthy of praise, but he did not seem to believe that he was a God that had to be obeyed completely. And so Cain... He believed in God. You talk to your neighbor and they, do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. But they don't think he's worthy of worship because they're not here and they never will be here. They don't think he's worthy of worship. And so it would seem that Cain also believed that God existed and that he was worthy of praise because he offered a sacrifice, didn't he? But he did not seem to believe that he was a God that had to be obeyed completely. Now the reason we're having the sermon we've been having for several Sundays on Sunday morning is to show that there's a law of obedience that must be complied with. He didn't comply with what God specified that was to be offered to him. But Abel did. Alright, verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended to as one who pleased God. I'm jealous of that fellow. I wished I could be that fellow. God was well pleased with him because he believed God. The writer presents Enoch as the next example here. From the history of Enoch's life recorded in Genesis 5, it's clear that he was a true man of faith. The statement is made about him twice. It says Enoch walked with God in verse 22 and verse 24. What is the invisible ingredient here? The invisible ingredient once again is God himself. But the question arises, how does a man walk with an invisible God? How does he walk with God that cannot be seen? The answer is he walks by faith. It is the walk that is the demonstration. And so what's the demonstration that you believe in God? The walk. Where's most people walking this morning? Oh, they're out camping. They ain't got time for worship to God. They ain't got time for those kind of stupid, foolish things. They don't believe God. They believe that there is a God, but they don't believe in his authority. What did the writer just tell these people in the 10th chapter? Don't forsake your assembling of yourselves together as a man of some is. And in that assembly, exhort one another daily as you see the day approaching, the day of destruction, the day of damnation. In that particular case, the day of A.D. 70. So how long did he walk? Uh, Enoch lived 365 years, and all those years he walked with God. The question may arise: How does God walk? If Enoch is going to walk with God, he has to know how God walks. And if we walk with God, we got to know how He walks, or where He walks. Where does God walk? In our case, in Ephesians one verse seven. If we, uh, excuse me, first, first John one verse seven. If we walk where in the light. We walk with who? We walk in fellowship with God. So, do we know where we need to walk to walk with God? Yes, we do. Does the world at large know? They have the information. They don't. Let, they don't pay attention to it. Oh, he's asking too much. Why I'm not? Gonna, why? He gives me six days, and I'm going to take the seventh one also. Why well, he's greedy? He wants that day for himself. Quite evidently, Enoch knows how God walks, and through his own walk, that man of faith gives enough proof that was sure that he was worthy of heaven. Enoch knew that God walked in, walks in truth, in righteousness, in love, in mercy, in peace, and in forgiveness. And Enoch seemed to say, I like the way God walks. I want to walk that way. Now, isn't that what the man of Romans 7 says? He says, I acknowledge that the law of God is good. It's good for a man not to steal. It's good for a man not to bear false witness. And all the things that the law declared, yeah, those are good. And as I've said before, there's not a man in the penitentiary, if you'd be honest with you, that wouldn't acknowledge the same thing. It's good for a man not to commit adultery because they don't want nobody messing with their woman. It's good for a man not to bear false witness. They don't want nobody lying on them. And so in that, they agree like Paul did. He acknowledges the law of God is good. But he's got a problem. He sees another law and his members warred against the law of his mind. And because of it, it brings him into captivity to a law that says, if you sin, you die. And he's a dead man. And so, <clears throat> Enoch was a man who liked the way God walks. Uh, he wanted to walk that way. <clears throat> and the longer he walks like God, the closer and closer and closer they are to each other there's maturity when you walk with God you're walking in the road of maturity he will mature you he'll bring you to the full grown man and that's what Peter said in another way in 1 Peter 5 verse 6 humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might do what exalt you exalt you in due season in due season <clears throat> when you walked with him while in that process he will ultimately establish you strengthen you and settle you that's verse 11 of that context and so Enoch finally finds himself walking side by side with God they walk together so beautifully that God just decided to take Enoch home with him Enoch does not taste of death. And so, how does a man walk with an invisible God? By walking in likeness to his character, in the qualities of his moral and ethical standards. And that's what First John 2 and verse 6 says. He that abides in him ought himself to walk even as Jesus walked. <coughs> it's not as simply... Uh, It's not enough simply to say I believe. It must be demonstrated in life's way. Because you can ask any heathen out here, you believers of God? And like the psalmist said twice in the Psalms, only a fool will deny God. Only a fool. There are not too many fools that foolish. They'll admit that they believe in God, but the proof's not there. Because the proof of your belief and in God, your faith in God, is the demonstration of your walk. Your walk with Him. Your walk where He walks. Where's God this morning? In a, Now we know He's everywhere, but where is He specifically with us in the church that He died to purchase? Is the world walking with Him? No, they're out on the campground. They're out hunting, fishing, doing whatever they want. They don't recognize his authority. They don't walk with God. Yet they claim to believe in God. So the proof is the demonstration of a man's walk. Enoch walked with God, and God took him. So since faith is the demonstration, so-called faith without the evidence is not faith in the biblical sense. So somebody says he believes in God but doesn't have the demonstration is a liar. He's lying. I'm going to have to stop right there. We'll start with verse 6 next week. And today happens to be what? The 19th of September. 2025. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, have I lost out on time somewhere. (laughs) Good, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning, Paul.